Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Maury Rowe, the two-time winner, takes the lead from Faulkner. That's the way they finish the first lap. about it, sticking on and send him out. Well, this has blown it for Irvine, blown it for Ferrari. I don't know what's happened. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Chokum. Matt is here. We have some Formula One to discuss before we preview Spain. We'll go through Portimao, we'll talk about a little bit of news in between then, and some other fun stuff. So quick recap. From this weekend, Lewis Hamilton was first. Max Verstappen was second. Valtteri Botas was third. Sergio Perez was in fourth. And Lando Norris was in fifth. So, kind of the couple notable things, and get your take on it, Matt. Kimi Raikkonen, did he just kind of forget where he, like, was he paying attention to something else up the track and didn't know where his teammate was? I'm just glad he didn't pull a Vettel and blame everybody else for it. I mean, at least he took ownership of it. But it was kind of a weird one. No DRS. So I'm I'm not entirely sure what happened there. But that's it's an awkward one. And especially when you hit your teammate. I'm glad Gio was fine. But that's a that's a talk, uh, tough one to explain to the, the boss. Yeah, that's one of those, like, rookie moves that, like, you just, you know, maybe he's focusing up on the track and getting ready for turn one. And then Giovinazzi is there i i don't i don't even know how to i'm like i'm trying to rationalize something that i don't think can actually be rationalized (laughs) and the oh man where do where do we want to go here do we want to talk about lewis hamilton or the guys who did not have a good day we can talk about lewis real quick get it over with so lewis obviously got uh botas was on pole Max got by Lewis on what lap two or or somewhat or lap one or lap two relatively early on, but Lewis passed him right back and then passed Valtteri for the lead and pretty much ran away with it from there. I don't say ran away with it because it wasn't like a thirty-five second victory, but it was really no contest at that point. Yeah, I mean, before everybody pitted for softs to try to go for the fastest lap, I think it was around five seconds, so it wasn't exactly a runaway. But, you know, kind of same old, same old. We've seen this playbook before where it's Valtteri gets pole and then fades. And I think the team came out and said there was some sort of sensor failure on his engine. I'm not sure how much I buy that. Toto Wolf says maybe I discouraged him from my radio message, which we may talk about later. I don't buy that either. I think we maybe need to stop making excuses for Valtteri and maybe just kind of understand that this is just 
par for the course for him. So I'm not even surprised anymore, to be honest. It is kind of just the way the landscape is. And until they decide to move on from him, this is going to probably happen five to 10 times a season. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny. They were talking. I, I don't know if it was during practice or qualifying. They were saying, Oh, Botas quickest in Portimao practice, just like he was quickest in, all the more all the Portimao practices last year, and I, I really wanted to be like, okay, and what happened in the end? He didn't win. Why? Why are we worried about, or why are we concerning ourselves with about Harry's practice? He's the only thing he's worried about is finishing behind, finishing the race, and making sure he gets his behind back to his lovely sauna that he <laughs> saw and tries to survive. On the negative side of things. Uh, Dimitri Mazepin, what's his name? Nikita Mazepin had a day to forget. He got a five-second penalty for ignoring the blue flags. Is that the official official yep. penalty? And he was he had such a bad day that he was lapped by George Russell, who had an awful Sunday. So, I mean, you. Listen, I'm not saying that the Haas car is easy to drive by any means, but Mick Schumacher had a nice little battle there with Latifi at the end, and I would say safely held his own on Sunday. Didn't spin, really just kind of brought the car home in one piece, which is essentially what he's being paid to do right now. Just bring that car home in one piece and move forward. And he was right there with Latifi until they got mixed up with some faster cars trying to get by them or something like that. But Mazepin was a minute behind them. That's just, I mean, that's, listen, uh, that's bad. I don't even, I don't even know what to say. Yeah. I mean, as much hate as Mazepin gets, and he wasn't like a champion of F2 or anything, but he wasn't anywhere close to being this bad in F2. Like he was actually a semi decent F2 driver. He had a couple wins. A yeah, couple a couple wins, a couple brain fades, but a couple wins here and there, a couple pretty decent drives. But he's not like Mahavir out here, just like driving in the back and being a you know kind of a talentless hack out there. I mean, he did show signs in F2. So the fact that he's transitioning into F1 so poorly is kind of a, a shock to me. Uh, I definitely wasn't expecting him to be this bad. And... I don't know if he's coming into this with kind of that Marco Andretti net that we always talk about where it's like, you know, if your seat's never in jeopardy, are you really going to, you know, do you really have to worry about it? You know, if the team or, you know, if daddy is really bringing this much money to Haas, you know, you know, you're not going to get fired, especially after what happened in the off season, you know, you're not going to get fired. So is there that, you know, extra motivation to actually try or are you just kind of out here just for a hobby and, for the giggles of it. So not a good start, you know, not closing the door on him quite yet, but I think doing the data analysis that I do on the side, I think he's off to one of the worst starts in formula one history, which is or at least for the last 30 years. So that's not good for him. Yeah. I mean, listen, he's no, uh, King Ragunathan, but he, it's just, and listen, he, I don't think he's spun or, or anything like that all weekend. So he, I guess technically you could say he improved, but his pace was so bad that it just it it's just tough to to watch on track. And 
The other one before we we get to our predictions and and maybe your overall thoughts on on the race weekend. Daniel Ricardo had a miserable qualifying effort. Rebounded on Sunday to have a a halfway decent race. At least he finished in the points. But is it just is it the McLaren car that he's just taking time to get used to? And and I I have a follow up point on that after your answer. Yeah, it's tough because, you know, this is a sport where results matter and, you know, you have to kind of do good now no matter what. Even though it's a 23-race season, you know, this could start a snowball effect or it could be to the point where Lando is clear consensus number one and when upgrades come, you know, Lando's going to get him first or whatever, which just even puts him further behind. So the P16 qualifying was quite poor. Uh, I don't think anybody was expecting that. And he's got time to turn it around for sure, but it's a damning look so far. So I just hope he can turn around because I think the sport's better with him in it, but it's not uh, not been a rosy start for him so far. Yeah, the qualifying effort was, was pretty rough, and at least, at least he was able to get back in the points and kind of get something out of the weekend. But I was listening to... Thanks to our buddy Frenchie who helped me on the live show this weekend, the F1 Beyond the Grid podcast with Patty Lowe that came out last week. And he kind of alluded to the fact that guys like Lewis Hamilton and Michael Schumacher are the pinnacle of you know their success because they they are used to one team for such a long time. Yeah. Lewis started out with McLaren. Wow, had a major brain fart there for a second obviously he's been at mercedes for close to 10 years now and you know michael started out at benetton and and had most of his run with ferrari before the last couple years at mercedes these guys that aren't switching teams every couple years a la ricardo and i know it's not necessarily his fault or you know it might be his choice and guys like that who who bounce around and don't have a time to build a relationship with the team and get used to the car that is you know pretty tough to get used to maybe aren't as successful or won't be as successful as guys who try to stick it with one team longer so i thought that was kind of an interesting point i don't know how much it applies to somebody like ricardo but we will talk about our unfortunate predictions now so our good predictions Neither of us really have too much to hang our hats on on this one, but you had George Russell, P16. He had a good weekend until the race. I don't know if it was that pesky wind that made the car so so slow. I obviously had Ricardo finish P9. He got as much out of the car as he could, but I'm I'm not patting myself on the back on this one. Uh, on the live show, Frenchie picked Lando. He did finish P5, so I guess Frenchie wins this one. Uh, but well, he also got credit. to pick after qualifying. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, boo, Frenchie. Yeah, boo. Our bad predictions, you had Botas qualified in pole. I'd give myself finished. that one. Yeah. I had Carlos Sainz. He finished out of the points after a good qualifying. I'd have I also give myself... One. Yeah, I, I also give myself this one. I don't know. Ferrari's strategy seemed pretty poor on his... his uh, awful. It was awful. So I think he was actually set up for a, a decent finish. And then it just that last it was their last 10 laps was pretty atrocious. Frenchie picked Alonso. He finished P8. So he definitely doesn't win this one. 
Dark Horse top five. You had Alonzo. I had Gasly. They finished eighth and tenth. So I think we're pretty much even par there. Well, mine finished out of yours. Yeah, but neither of them finished. Neither of them made the top five. Details. Uh, Frenchie had George Russell obviously plummeted the wrong direction down the grid there. Bottom five with either Williams or Alfa Romeo. Not only were we both wrong, both of our picks made Q3. So we should probably just skip this one. No, you had Ocon. And, I want to give him some credit. He actually had a yes, pretty good he had weekend. A, he had a good weekend. I admitted it on social media. As, as painful as that was, because I've given him plenty of crap in the last 12 months, but he had a very good weekend. He had a, a couple really good moves on Sunday. And this is too much positivity now. So let's talk about Toto Wolf and Botas. Well, yeah, actually, I got forgot to. Who's is that? Your driver of the day, Ocon. Oh, yeah, we for, we forgot about that. Yes, I will take uh, Ocon as my driver of the day. Look at you! I'm so proud of you. It's I a weird. Think, it's a weird day. Yeah, I'll give it to. Uh, can we talk about fan voting for driver of the day? I think it's stupid. I think the fans actually voted for Mazepin, but in the interest of everything, they gave it to Checo, which doesn't even make sense either. Because he finished fourth. He had a great stint. I mean, he made the tires last long, way longer than they should have. But he also finished fourth. So it's not like he did that on his way to like a second or something. So the fact that he was driver of the day, I'm like, what? I don't get this. Um, maybe they should just let me and you do it. Because we are obviously we, smarter than We everybody. get it wrong all the time. But Yeah. I uh, I think I would give it to Norris. I thought he had a great race. I think he definitely outpaced his teammate. And then I think he finished, you know, with the best of the rest, I think he finished five or so seconds ahead of Leclerc. So if if they can just get a couple more tenths, I, that that guy can compete for podiums on a week, weekly basis. So uh, he's kind of like the best of the rest of this year for sure. Yeah. Disappointment I- of the day? Disappointment of the day. Can I pick Kimi Raikkonen? I know he's kind of sure. like close to low-hanging fruit, but you ran into the back of your own teammate on like the second lap, bro. Like, I mean, there's no excuse for that. And I know he took ownership of it, so it's it, like I'm not faulting his response, but you ran into the back of your own damn teammate. Yeah, that was pretty poor. I think I'm going to give mine to Yuki Sonoda. Kind of an invisible weekend. Had all this hype after round one, and I tried to, you know, curtail it by saying, you know, it's just one race. It's got a lot of season left here. And it's, he's not been doing anything wrong per se. It's just kind of invisible. I think uh, Alpha Tower as a whole was kind of a little bit invisible this whole weekend, which is kind of surprising. Since their preseason form, they've, they've stagnated a little bit, and they're kind of relegated into this battle for, fifth or sixth in the constructors not what we were expecting for sure but as i mentioned earlier total wolf was uh trying to encourage valtteri botas in the radio which is not something total wolf normally does he kind of usually stays off the radio but he came on and said you know you need to push now you need to we need some good laps from you you know pick it up and the statistics show that when that radio message came on after that botas's laps actually you know leveled off so they didn't get any better and Wolf came out and kind of said, you know, maybe I should reconsider doing that next time, blah, blah, blah. What do you make of that? Where do I even start with this one? I, I read this and I almost messaged you that I don't even want to talk about this because <laughs> it just anno- it, it annoys me because for somebody who is in the best car on the grid, 
he clearly has zero confidence this year, even with his poll. He just, he's just a mental case. And I, I don't know if he's putting too much pressure on himself or if there's pressure from the team that we don't hear other than Toto's messages on the radio, which is definitely the first time. But if you lose pace after your boss says, come on, man, let's go. Like, could you imagine him like playing like any stick and ball sport? He would have crumbled by the age of like eight. Uh, so I know I'm probably sounding a little harsh, but I'm sick of how I don't want to say mentally weak, but he does not have the mental fortitude for a Mercedes car. And I cannot wait. I don't even care if it's Ocon in that car, in, in that second seat, but Botas needs to be done. You say that it could be. It could very I well know. be Ocon. I, I'm Toto's that's, that's, his manager, isn't he, or something? I I mean, I know he was a Mercedes Junior driver at one point. I don't know if he's still related because I know they allowed him to go to Renault a couple of years ago. Uh, was it Renault or Force India or wherever a couple of years? Racing Point, whatever it was, a couple of years ago. Yeah, because he went from Manor to Force India to Renault. Yeah, with a year off in there. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I I don't really have anything to add to that. I am kind I am kind of lazy here. I am actually just now reading the article that you sent me about uh, Total Wolf. Yeah. One thing I, it's not in the rundown here, but one thing I want to kind of an interesting nugget in here. Uh, this is from the Paddock Magazine. It's talking about basically the tremendous influence of Total Wolf within the F1 Paddock and how he has connections with, you know. Daimler, who, Everybody. yeah, Daimler, who runs the Mercedes team, he's got connections with Lawrence Stroll. He kind of prevented uh, Mazepin's dad from buying uh, Force India. Um, he didn't want the previous Force Indian owner, Malaya. I don't want to say his first name out because I just don't want to butcher it. Unfortunately, I've actually never heard it pronounced before. Uh, yeah. Maybe like Vijay or Vijay. I yeah. Let's let's just move on. Yeah, yeah. One. Uh, I just, I don't like butchering names. I'm really bad at that. But so there's a paragraph in here that says, quote, in one of the worst kept secrets in F1, Radcliffe will buy out Mercedes's remaining 33.3% share of the team, probably at the end of the 2021 season. And the team will be renamed Ineos Grenadier. Mercedes will remain as an engine supplier with the team and Ineos simply becoming a customer of the Mercedes-Benz high-performance powertrains business. Now, I know that was a strong rumor before the season. And when the, the livery came out and there wasn't too much fuss about it, you know, nobody really yeah. questioned if they were going to call Mercedes again this year. But there was rumors that Ineos was going to be this huge, you know, acquisition of the team and it was going to be rebranded and everything and their sponsor logos were going to be everywhere on the car. And this year it's kind of like subtly worked in like it was the last couple of years. Nothing major. But... What are your thoughts about this potentially being the last season of the branding of a Mercedes works team? A little sad, a little sad. You know, Mercedes is whether it's F1 or racing in general, or just everyday cars is, is a pretty iconic brand. And I know it will still be the Mercedes engines and I don't think they'll be going anywhere for a very long time, but you know, just the name Mercedes, it brings a lot of prestige to it. Like, not quite Ferrari level of prestige, but definitely that same kind of upper tier of, of car manufacturer or engine manufacturer. So I'd be a little sad, but I mean, in the end, other than, you know, an ownership change, 
it's still going to be Lewis. They're still going to be the best car in the grid and Lewis Hamilton will be there for another couple years. So it's not, a, not a huge on the track change, which I, you know, other than probably a different color car and different team name, but it will be very interesting to see how this plays out. I need to give that article like a second and a third read to fully understand. There's a lot of, intricate details in there about the business side of Toto Wolf and everything he's he's got going on and I'll be sure to share that out on social media this week so that everybody else can check it out but yeah I don't man it would be it would be a little sad yeah it's weird and you know especially if they won the constructors championship this year they would really go out as the greatest dynasty in the history of formula 1 without question and you know, with what they were able to accomplish all, over all these years is is insanity. And yeah, I mean, I knew Total Wolf was like a powerful dude, but dang. It's like this yeah. guy's playing chess behind the scenes while everybody else is playing checkers. It's insane. So um, from what he was able to start with at Williams to moving over to Mercedes. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! To what, you know, now the power he wields, it's, it's insane. So, yeah, we'll keep our eyes on that for sure. That's uh, definitely going to be an interesting uh, talking point for the off season to keep our eyes on. So next up real quick paddle award had a deal with Zach Brown that said if paddle won a race this year in the IndyCar series, he would get to be taking part in the uh, McLaren Abu Dhabi test. Well, paddle won the uh, second Texas race on Sunday. So the bet is now fulfilled and now there will be a test. And just for the sake of beating somebody to Miller's mailbag on Racer, oh, God. does Daniel Ricardo have anything to be worried about at this moment with Pato Award now ascending to the level he is in IndyCar and now even step further getting an F1 test? No. Let's just, let's just, no. 
if no, no, let's just leave it at that. I got nothing else. I don't want to go on a long rant here. I was kind of looking forward to that. Uh, yeah, okay. I, unless Ricardo really crashes and burns this year, I don't think Pato's test is going to be the thing that tips the scale. I think it'll be Daniel Ricardo crashing and burning, uh, hopefully in a rhetorical sense and not an actual sense. Cause that would not be good, but I think uh, as long as Ricardo's results aren't terrible, he should hopefully get something again next year. But I don't think Pato's one test will be enough to tip the scales for him to make that change to Formula One. And I guess we can kind of leave it at that. Uh, lastly, before we get to Spain, uh, the official news out of Montreal is that the race has been canceled for a second straight year. Uh, cases in Canada and specifically Montreal and Toronto have been on the rise. I know on the IndyCar side, we keep commenting about how the IndyCar race in Toronto is not going to happen, but that's not official yet. But it is now official that Montreal's out and Turkey is back in. So Turkey takes the spot uh, at Istanbul there. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I think they said that uh, despite the addition, it's not going to be the new F1 game which I was quite, that was my first reaction was I was psyched. It was going to be the new F1 game, but I think they came out and said, no, uh, so that kind of sucks. But, um, any thoughts on that before moving to Spain? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate. I, I love Montreal and, you know, Canadians are, are big F1 supporters. So I, I'm, I'm sad for all of the Canadian fans that that don't get to go to a race this year, especially because traveling out of Canada seems incredibly tough right now. So I am a little sad. I'm happy that it's Turkey as the backup choice. Like like you said, I'm super pumped to to see the race there. But uh, it is good good news that Montreal did announce a two year F1 contract extension for next year and the year after. I think or maybe. The year after and the year after that, either way, Montreal will not be leaving the F1 calendar anytime soon, which is always a worry when you have to have a race canceled two straight years because of everything going on in the world. So let's dive into Spain. Last year's top five, Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, (laughs) Valtteri Bottas, Lance Stroll, and Sergio Perez. So... Before I, I get to the burning question, we're, we're all wondering here. Turn 10 was redone this year. So instead of being a, a little bit tighter into turn 11 as you go through that sweeping section before the stupid chicane that is turn 14 and turn 15, it's much wider this year. And the reasoning is you know, safety, this and that. Do you think this will do anything to improve the racing at least at that section of the track nope i uh i don't you know as we've ranted about several times i think the last chicane before the front straight is a joke i uh i know they're well this last one i i don't think the uh area that turned 10 i don't view it as a particularly unsafe area i think the safety had something to do with moto 2 or moto gp accident from a couple years ago so not directly relating to f1 but i understand the reasoning behind changing it yeah and um i mean i guess unfortunately i don't know enough about the moto gp moto 2 world 
I don't want to sound ignorant, so I guess I'll just kind of refrain from commenting on that. But, uh, you know, between I don't I like to turn 10. I thought it was a decent passing zone. And I hope this change doesn't turn it into just kind of another flowy turn that single groove. And you just got to kind of get through to get to the next part of the track as our most turns versus, you know, there's some good genuine passing zones here and there sprinkled throughout the track. Turn 10 was a decent one. I don't know if it'll change now because of this, but yeah, that final chicane is trash and I don't understand why they ever went to that one. So yeah, this, this track is bottom three for me for sure. I can't off the top of my head, think of too many good races there other than maybe the early nineties when they started there, but it's just a unfortunate one. It's been a long time looking at the track map of turn 10. I don't think it's necessarily going to be like a one. I think you'll still be able to, you might have more chances to go too wide there, but by the time you get to turn 11 and definitely turn 12, you're, you're not, you're not going too wide. So I don't think it's going to make too much of a difference. And yes, Spain, man, without looking at the full schedule in front of me, I would say it's my least favorite. Track. Yeah, I'd say Russia. And I don't even think me. it's close. Uh, I'll get. I say would. I would still say Spain, but fair. I think you could argue either. Either or. Uh, let's see here. We have Sebastian Vettel has some upgrades coming this weekend, which is hopefully good to see for the Aston Martin team that was pretty much again rather slow. Oh, Robert Kubica is getting an FP1 outing with Alfa Romeo this weekend. And I think that's it in terms of pre-weekend messages. And obviously, before we make our predictions here, I'll do another pre-race show. I'll pull up the times and then get to that after predictions. Yeah, I think Vettel's upgrades will be cool. So as far as our uh, good predictions, while you look that up, for my good prediction of the weekend... I am going to say Antonio Giovinazzi flirts with a top 10 finish. I think uh, I liked what I saw of him at Portimao. He wasn't flashy, but I think he's still doing a great job with that team this year, and I've been liking what I've seen out of him. So I'm going to go with Gio as my uh, good prediction for, again, within the confines of what he is capable of doing with that car. Okay. I... I'm going to take George Russell. Can't have two bad weekends like that in a row based on my non-existent rationale. For bad, I think that um, I think the struggle will continue for Ricardo. I don't see him bucking it this weekend. So uh, kind of just looking at where the uh, trend is going right now, I think it'll be another bad weekend for him. I am going to take Valtteri Botas. I'm going to continue on the annoyed at Botas train, but I think maybe he's close to the mental breaking point of you know the pressure getting to him, and he might try to make a, a move at Spain maybe he shouldn't make and run wide and lose a position or two and be destined for another P3 or P4 finish 47 seconds off the pace of his teammate yep i uh for dark horse top 10 i'll take uh, sebastian vettel i think uh, hopefully these upgrades help but i was pleasantly surprised at the pace he showed at portimao i think that was an encouraging sign that 
you know, with his transition to a new team, it looked like he was getting his feet under him a little better, uh, which is something you can't say necessarily about Ricardo or even Perez. You know, Perez is still kind of a little bit off of Max as a whole uh, pretty consistently. So I think I still think Perez is finding his footing at Red Bull too. But it seemed like Vettel showed a lot of promise out of the, the major changes this offseason at Portimao. So hopefully that'll continue in Spain. Well, since I picked George Russell to do good, do well, do I want to pick him as my dark horse top 10? Now that's putting too many eggs. I was going to say, I'm, gonna, I'm setting not... yourself up for me to just make fun of you next. Yeah, next that, that'll, ju- that'll just be a disaster. Let's go with Lance Stroll, who mm. has, what, one 10th place finish on the year? Maybe two 10th place finish? Either way, he's definitely a dark horse for the top 10 after the way their season started. And then lastly, who's getting eliminated in Q3 with Haas and Williams? I'm going to go with Yuki Sonoda. Spain Spain's a little Spain can be a little tricky to to a rookie driver. All right, I'll go a hot takey here and I'll go with Carlos Sainz as a oh. pure shot in the dark, who knows. Okay. Both his home track, maybe I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh I'll probably be able to do the live what time's the race? Race is at 9, so I can go on at 8:30. Yeah. We uh we'll try to have a guest again. Maybe it will be Frenchie again because he always comes up with some good trivia questions on air. I don't, I don't know if if you heard the la- if you saw the replay of last weekend's, but I got one correct and one not even close. So, which is pretty good for me. I don't remember what the questions were. Fifty percent of trivia for you is pretty good. Yeah, I, that's like the nicest thing you've ever said to me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna end there real quick. Schedule this weekend. First practice is bright and early, 5.30 a.m. Friday morning. Qualifying is Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern. Our live show will be on Twitch, Twitter, and our YouTube page at 8.30 a.m. Eastern, and the race is 9 a.m. Eastern. There's also F3 this weekend. Don't think I'll be watching race one because it is at 4.30 in the morning on Saturday. Race two, ten forty-five Eastern. Race three is Sunday at six a.m. So, some junior series racing this weekend, guys. Enjoy a lovely weekend of racing. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team. You won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.